Hey, people. I just want to let you all know I'm very excited about ronbeek3.com. So that's ronbeek, B-E-E-K-I-I-I.com. Um, you know, I took some time to revamp the website. There's a lot of interesting things. It's like a central hub. There's a page about WT Fada. There's a page about comics. It's all sorts of stuff. So go check it out and tell me that I sent you. <clears throat> well, guys, there's no doubt that Zoom has been instrumental in allowing us to record these episodes during the pandemic. However, it's not without faults. Actually, this is kind of the first time that something like this has happened. So give it a lot of credit, a lot of credit to Zoom. Uh, but we did have a malfunction and we essentially lost our off topic and uh, probably were like 10 minutes into actually talking about the Dark Knight when it cut out. Um, you know, and it's, uh, it's gone, lost forever. It was a great off topic too. We, we talked about a lot of, uh, kind of hot button issues, um, and the fallout of, uh, Ryan Alves's, uh, HUAC hearing, um, you know, and he's not going to jail and I'm just as stunned as anyone. Um, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's, he's, He's here, and that's all that matters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kind of sucks. So we're basically, you're going to hear the theme song, and then we're going to go right into the topic. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to skip anything this week if you don't want to. Next week, I promise you, the off-topic will be 19 hours long, and we'll catch up on what we missed this week. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It'll be great. And then the actual talk about The Dark Knight Rises will be 15 minutes. Tops. So. Hey everybody, welcome to the 133rd episode of WC Fada. Uh, uh, Ariel and Ryan are here with me tonight, uh, and they are just finding out that everything we just recorded is in the trash. It's gone. Oh. Uh, I... <laughs> everything? Everything, it's gone. Yeah, I don't know what Jeez. happened. Uh, Zoom, Zoom is an incredibly reliable service for the most part. Uh, there are occasions where you lose half of a podcast. So what we're going to do is we're not going to do an off topic because we already did the off topic. We're just going to start kind of where we were. How far were we? In? Ten minutes into the Dark Knight discussion? Wasn't that far. We hadn't made a lot of ground. Uh, Ariel, what do you think about the Dark Knight? Real quick recap. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I really like the movie. Um, I was saying before, there are some movies that when they're trying to tell a story, it gets kind of slow and it gets kind of boring. And I thought that this movie did a really good job avoiding that. So mm-hmm. I would rate this movie, I'd put it probably number one or number two. It's really high up there. Okay. Alves? Yeah, I also thoroughly enjoy this movie and, you know, have uh, spent, I guess, the last 14 years watching it very regularly. Mm -hmm. And only recently did I uh, begin to have a waning appreciation, but, you know, it comes, I think, only from excess, you know, but it's not. I don't think it's a movie I'll ever be able to stop watching, but it's just like a movie that now I need to spend more time in between viewings when I'm watching it. Yeah. Um, My thoughts kind of mirror Alves' thoughts, my initial thoughts. Uh, It's just for a comic book movie and for a movie set in Gotham City, it's aggressively plain. And that's kind of my, my biggest takeaway. Like, I don't know, when I saw Batman Begins and I watched the, you see that world that's presented and everything is like piss yellow and the architecture is really ornate and then it's so grimy and all of this shit. And when they say at the end of that movie, they tease the Joker and my mind goes wild with like, oh man, what's the Joker going to be like in this world? And it's not taking anything away from Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. I really enjoy it, but I don't feel like I got the Joker in the Batman Begins world. feels like the Joker in the real world, and that's fine, but I still kind of have this longing about what that would have looked like, you know? Kind of like you look at the the Batman that's coming out in a little over a week now. Um, when you see the world that's presented there, and then you start imagining what the Joker would look like in that place, uh, your mind is like on fire with the possibilities of how insane that will be. And that's kind of what it was when they teased the Joker in Batman Begins. And then I get to this movie and it's like, this is just the Joker in Chicago, you know? And like the most unusual part of the Joker in Chicago is that he's not overweight from all the deep dish, you know? Like that would be the only thing that would like, oh, wow. Like that would, it's it's a weird, um, it's kind of a weird problem to run into with a batman movie seems difficult to make batman seem ordinary you know um yeah i mean that's that's a lot of the i think the umbrage that i'm taking with a lot of modern iterations of like bat stuff i guess mm -hmm. in hindsight except for fucking snyder but he had his own misfirings but Mm um like the like the thing that I'm getting kind of like tired of is the like realism and the, I don't know, the low fantasy, I guess, aspect of uh, 
and uh, these most recent takes on the Batman being a Dark Knight and then, you know, the one coming up. But yeah. I'm going to hold any judgments until after I see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think there is something to be said about making Batman feel that realistic because it if you ground everything so that it feels like it could happen in the real world then you're watching something that is like the most fantastical thing that could exist you know in our reality so it it has like an effect where for me it it still feels like that fantasy but also i can see your i can see your trouble with that too because like chris nolan would never put like i don't know there used to be in the comics like gigantic ads and weird billboards and like a museum that it was just a museum of gigantic things so like batman fighting on a gigantic typewriter and it's like we're well past that that's never going to be a thing in the movies like nobody's wanting to like dive in in that direction um I'm not saying that you have to, but it's like the the comics are more than just year one and the long Halloween, you know, so there's space yeah. for that kind of zany shit too. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Nolan said when he was making this film was that like the first movie, they looked at Blade Runner for inspiration and the second movie, they were looking at Heat from Michael Mann. Um. And there's a lot of elements that carry over from Heat into this movie. Um, and I I like the crime drama aspect of this one. Um, there's definitely some exciting scenes um, right off the, right from the get-go, right from the jump. It's like having this really well-orchestrated bank heist amongst these clowns um that was actually released ahead of the movie as like a prologue to i am legend is that what that was i think they're coming out with i am legend and basically they before that movie and imax screenings they had uh they would play the six minute um jail heist or sorry bank heist um as almost like a trailer for the dark Knight, uh, which would have been coming out the summer after. Um, it's probably the only reason I saw, I am legend, to be honest. That was why I wound up at the theater for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the bank heist is probably is easily a highlight of the film, you know? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, you know, Chris Nolan, it's very dry, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was nice. It was nice when to do Batman Begins and like put a bunch of texture in that. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, upon the most recent viewing, I uh, I just like was distracted by just how few people were like sweating or bleeding or just like. I don't know, it, it felt very movie and, you know, at the time that it came out, I, like, loved it. Uh, but, you know, yeah, now it was just, like, 
even Heath Ledger's stuff is like pretty clean. You know, like it looks like tattered and stuff, but like it doesn't really change from like when he first shows up at the mob meeting to uh, like when he shows up at the party or something, or when he shows up like at the end. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see like his jacket get like dirty or something. I guess he's like kind of wet all the time, which is cool, but like. Yeah. I always wonder yeah. if he has some type of like organ failure or something that's going on where it's like his he's just he just seems so sickly he's so just always awesome. so moist yeah yeah awesome i i think that some of the lighting and uh like the color grading of the film kind of works against the costume designer um because if you look at um if you look at his outfit um, just on display somewhere, it's way more like intricate in terms of how dirty it is and like the different areas of filth. Um, and I think once it's put on film, there's something that happens where it kind of uh, levels all of that detail out in a weird way. Yeah. I have to look into that right now. Yeah, I'm trying to find a shot that I can show you guys, but it's it's much more. I don't know. There's something about like the weathering to it. Oh yeah, it's it's. I see exactly what you're talking about. It's also much more vibrant when you see it in real life. Yeah. As opposed to, I'm looking at that same picture. Yep. Yeah, I just I wish that uh, like you can see there's almost like muddiness on the on the wrist yeah. and on the shoulders. Okay. I wish that it was more present in the film, but I think part of it is the color grading and part of it is how dark uh, the film actually is. It's weird yeah. watching that stuff seem to like disappear once you're in the actual film. There's like, yeah, I don't know. There's stuff going on on that jacket that like deserves to be seen. You can't see it on the screen. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like dusty something you know he's getting punched and like that's flying everywhere i i I kind of had a thought in the comics his like original hideout was um uh (laughs) was a graveyard and uh i thought it would be i sort of had something like heading into this movie i was like oh wouldn't it be cool if they show his outfit and it seems like he's almost a man out of time or something like that, it doesn't look like normal (laughs) everyday clothing. And then you wind up like seeing the back of it is stitched up and you realize that like, Oh my God, it's like an outfit that he stole off like a Victorian era skeleton or something, you know, Um, something like really disturbing. Like maybe like the black color that it was has like faded over time. So now it's this kind of like grungy looking off purple mauve sort of color. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was interesting going with the idea that I always wonder about this. They eventually reveal that his clothing is custom. And does that like, what does that mean to you guys? Like, is that, indicating that he's putting together the clothing or did he have somebody make the clothing which which do you feel was more accurate mm, it kind of just coming from this perspective i i just imagine that he would make it himself 
I can't imagine the Joker like, well, maybe comic book wise, going to someone and be like, hey, can you make me this suit so I can like rob this fucking bank real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's like, I I wish that we could have seen more of that. One of the points I always bring up in this movie is he eventually will kind of sick Harvey Dent on the world. And Harvey Dent, when he goes to see him, is in the hospital. So he's in a hospital gown and stuff. And I'm always like, man, if if Chris Nolan just had like a little bit more style, just a little bit, he would do the obvious thing, which is like the Joker is like getting ready to release Harvey or whatever. Uh, maybe after like the Harvey points the gun at his head and does like the you live, you die coin toss after it, he doesn't shoot the Joker. The Joker's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I almost forgot to tell you uh, that I actually have something for you. It's in the closet. I don't know your exact measurements, but I think you'll like it, you know? And it's like, have the Joker be responsible for like the half black, half white two-face costume, you know? Yeah. If, he, if he's already making custom clothes for himself, I'm like, fuck it. Like, go all okay. the way. Master Taylor by this point. Yeah, that's a, like he's has the wrong career. He's yeah. like going around <laughs> being a terrorist. It's like, dude, open up a a store. You know what you I mean? Have Sell style, this, man. It's gonna be real style. Michael Kors and Joker are like the top two fashion brands. You know, in Gotham. You um, know, somebody somebody pointed out something really funny about that uh that hospital scene. You know, Joker walks in. He's wearing you know, the nurse gown, he's wearing a little mask. And then he walks in and Harvey just kind of like looks at him and he like doesn't really react. But then as soon as he takes the little fucking mask off, he starts like flipping out like he didn't realize it was the Joker <laughs> with the eye makeup and everything. My re <laughs> my rebuttal is... Have Maybe you they seen... have some scary nurses. That's yeah, exactly... Yeah, they just have some freaking crazy looking nurses. Yeah, Gotham City nurses. <laughs> Terrifying. Never know what to expect. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was watching this. Like, I had heard that that criticism before, and I was trying to figure out, like, <laughs> because once that enters the conversation, it's hard to get away from it. Like, now every time I watch it, that's all I see. Yeah. But I was trying to think of, like, how did I used to take it? And I felt like I used to take it that he's watching him with, like, a reserve or anger or something and then like once he sees his face it boils over and he's like trying to fight him but now i watch it and i'm just like he has no idea that that's the joker and it's weird <laughs> you, it's you can't so go back. hard it's so hard yeah you can't I, go back after that it turns it into yeah. like a legit comedy moment and i'm like i don't think that's what they were going for at all no definitely absolutely not <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean uh Honestly, this time around, fuck it. Aaron Eckhart, is that his name? Yeah. Yep. He was my favorite, favorite part about this most recent viewing for me. Really? Like, yeah. He's he's like one of the, the less stiff uh presences. Like Chris Nolan loves picking very like stiff uh suits and yeah. stuff. But like uh, what was what was the moment? Well he's just yelling at like anytime he's just like screaming pretty much uh yeah. <laughs> was just good, like couple yeah, he's of good got, outbursts he's got a, two face bunch of good good outbursts like uh i wasn't crazy about like 
the like courtroom thing or whatever. Worst uh, fucking scene in the entire movie. Worst. Yeah, the gun just oh happened to misfire. Ooh, did that ever get explained? Did I miss something? It was a that Chinese was... gun. That was that was Harvey's explanation. <laughs> yeah. Was, it was... Oh, <laughs> Chinese people can't build guns. Harvey had like zero reaction time. Like he, if it didn't misfire, it would have been dead. And then he just fucking takes it and yeah, ah, slugs Dude, him. His it was thing, almost comical when he's like, and he says like, "Oh, but Your Honor, I'm not done." And everybody like claps and everything. I was like, "Dude, this is." garbage like this is almost like a fucking like sitcom We're watching a reality show right now. yeah i was like this is awful yeah. um said, my suggestion by american it was oh like- god oh god and look i understand yeah. that gotham is corrupt and everything but the idea of this guy sneaking a gun into the courtroom like they could have done some build-up like look i understand that you're trying to go pretty fast you're trying to like set this stuff up quickly but it just seems like such a non sequitur because you know that these people go through metal detectors, you know, you know that this guy was brought out like, you know, I, I just, I want a little bit more explanation, even if they show a shot from the dude's perspective and you see him like while Harvey's talking to the courtroom, you see him like touching the underside of the, of the, the podium thing in front of him and it was until he like feels the gun is like taped to the bottom of the thing so it's like this is how corrupt the city is gives a little bit more context and doesn't feel as strange you know that would have made way more sense yeah 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 it's a but, it's a horrible scene <laughs> yeah but this dude this dude's two-face is mm-hmm. awesome I, I wish it was a little a little more two-facey instead of just like a dude that has an angry side or something and like i I get it, but like there isn't a split here, like a split personality, say, like yeah. present kind of in the Nolan verse, like he just has two faces. Yeah. You know? And uh, that's fun. And like, I like his outbursts and stuff. And I think, you know, that's pretty much what won me over the first time I saw it also and just like in Eckhart at all was like his two-faced stuff yeah I come back Uh, yeah you got a little Uh, bit got a little bit dicey there but I think okay I was wondering if that was just me it was no yeah I think (laughs) yeah no I I have shit internet yeah it's okay yeah Um, I was uh I like how it's like a two-faced origin story (laughs) but two-faced is only really in the movie for like 10 minutes and then he fucking dies (laughs) unfortunate (laughs) yeah i mean no one is again no one is such a stickler about like real life and everything and he's like well if somebody got burned that badly they would die so he just wrote (laughs) harvey dies and i'm like okay but chris it's it's a it was wasted potential yeah so much wasted potential it's a strange kind of like here's the thing all right, and I don't want to like I, we're kind of we're kind of gonna I'm kind of gonna jump ahead and go almost all the way to like the end of this and potential sequel territory, but I firmly believe. All right, I have two things that stand out to me. Okay, one is <laughs> the first movie, Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne talking to his you know crowd of party goers, and he says. Uh, you 
you two-faced friends, you sycophantic suck-ups who smile through your teeth at me, please go. So it's like, oh, two-face and smile. And like both of those things have big connotations in relation to Batman. Oh, yeah. When I watch this movie and he's talking about the suit, the new suit that is being made for him, and he's like, uh, he's like, how will it hold up against dogs? And Morgan Freeman is like, well, you know, are we talking Rottweilers or Chihuahuas? And then he says it should do well against cats. And you're like, oh, like they're Catwoman. already thinking about Catwoman. And then uh, the I, I always was like, oh, but Bane must not have been a consideration because I think they were going to bring back the Joker. But there's actually a moment in the Joker's like speech to Gotham citizens where he says, come nightfall, this city is mine. And it's like nightfall. Like, that's a comic nod. Yeah. Yeah. That's Bane. So there's this weird stuff. But so it's like they're telegraphing who the villain would be in the next one in these weird little moments. And maybe it's just a coincidence. It could be, could be, could be nothing. But I also have this other thing where, like, the Joker, like, they did not know that Heath Ledger was going to die. I think they firmly believed that the Joker was going to be some part of the third movie. Yeah. And there's a scene in this movie where Harvey disappears from the hospital and they have no idea where he is. And Gordon's talking to uh, Mayor Garcia and he says, we still haven't found Dent. And there's this weird moment where Garcia is like, you know, he's like holy shit and he's just kind of is like staring off screen and then he turns to gordon and he's like how long do you think we can keep this quiet and then they do this a long shot on gary oldman's face and it like pans in on him and it holds for like an extra second longer than you would think it would and i'm like i think that was the original plot of the third movie like they you know two-face falls off the thing at the end and dies and Batman takes off and takes the fall for his crimes so that Harvey's convictions will stand and those people will stay in prison and then as Batman's being chased by the cops like in the third movie Batman's being chased by the cops and all of a sudden you see Harvey go <coughs> and like wake up on the ground and then Gordon's like holy shit and he has to make a decision and it's like do you like let Harvey live and everybody's going to find out about what he's done. Uh, or do you like sequester him away? And I was like, I think they're going to make Harvey like a secret prisoner in Arkham Asylum. And the Joker is going to be key to revealing that Harvey is alive and that he turned into a villain, you know, and he's going to have essentially like the last laugh in the third movie. And it could still have had Bane in it. And it still could have had Catwoman in it. It could have been all of this. Um, oh, that would have been bananas. Well, what's it weird... really would have. They set uh, up all of this stuff where... They set up all of it. It's all there. So, like, Gordon's on top of the building and everybody knows that Harvey Dent is missing. They think Harvey Dent's in the Pruitt building, right? And they're all getting ready to raid it. And then Harvey gets a call. And then uh, Gordon gets a call on his cell phone from harvey and he calls him by name he's like where's my family harvey 
and you see they have a shot where like the snipers that are on the roof like it catches their ear and they look over at him confused because it's like he's talking to dent so it's setting up the idea that there was this conspiracy that night and that we don't really know the full story which is also perfectly in line with nolan being like these are post 9-11 movies this is all about 9-11 and the police state that followed and like this is that same type of thing where people are like well we never found the black box and it's like yeah they, they never found harvey like he's if in the context yeah. of that story harvey dent just disappears that night they never find his body you know he's gone and it's a big fucking mystery and then they find out that it's like no he's alive he's been kept in prison without a trial you know like oh my god it would have been crazy yeah um, i would have loved that every time i watch the dark knight i just think about how it feels like they're setting up a sequel that we don't actually get <laughs> you know yeah. it's it's kind of a frustrating watch if you think about that too much <laughs> um one of the things i did like is all the subtleties in terms of the corruption in this movie and it starts really early on in it where the guy that's supposed to cut the telephone lines at the bank he uh he he says uh he says i cut the lines but they weren't trying to call the cops it was trying to reach an outside line and the guy's like is that going to be a problem and he's like no and then the dude shoots him but at the end of that sequence, when the Joker's driving away with the money, uh, it's cops that show up. So the line must have caught it dialed out to the mob. And then the mob sent their enforcers to the bank, which oh, is all the cops. Yeah, it's like yeah. this really subtle shit. And I'm like, I appreciate the fuck out of some of that, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's something I didn't even think about that before. It's great. Yeah. yeah probably like one of my favorite little little jokes in the nolan movies it's just like what like hold on um yeah i really liked how uh this i, I had a, a complaint about batman begins how they didn't really show a whole bunch of batman's detective side mm -hmm. they kind of just like skimmed right over that but this movie did they they had that really nice scene when batman was trying to match the ballistics and he had a whole bunch of different bullets and he was using it in his gun shooting it into concrete and stuff yeah and that kind of showed his uh his more detective side and i really appreciated that that was fucking sick yeah i always feel like they dumb that down a little bit because i'm trying to like he wants to take fingerprints off of the shattered bullet so then he shatters other bullets um and then they scan that and then they're able to reconstruct it in the computer and then they f like digitally find the fingerprint and i'm like wait a minute like just scan the original not really, yeah not really how it works but you go batman <laughs> yeah i'm like i don't understand how this worked i always wonder if maybe he's like filming it's almost like he's like digitally filming the and like x-ray filming the bullets hitting the bricks so he can see the way that they shatter and then what would really be happening is he's then deconstructing the brick that he took from the crime scene so that he knows what pieces would have went in which direction 
and he's able to kind of put them together so that he can then dust for a print or something and they just did like a shorthand version of that just to get through that scene faster which i totally appreciate but every time i watch it i'm like huh what do you mean (laughs) um there's actually another sequence in that movie that kind of does the same thing which is the gordon like faking his death sequence is messy I, I don't understand all the steps involved in in the faking his death. Yeah. It seems... I the first time I watched it, I was very young. Mm-hmm. Probably like eight or nine. I was like, the fuck happened? I was like, didn't that guy just die? I was yeah. so confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, hold on. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that part was just, I mean, you know, my simple nine-year-old mind, that was just, I was like, okay, all right, I guess he's alive now. He lived. Yeah. I just like... I have a hard time like <laughs> that not whatever the guy's name is not Harvey Bullock leans down and checks his vitals or some shit at the funeral for the commissioner and he like gets this sad look on his face and then he goes and he tells his wife like yeah Jim's fucking dead and everything and I'm like was he in on it from the beginning because yeah. Like Gordon falls to the ground and does the guy go over to check his vitals? Does not Harvey Bullock go over to check his vitals? And then Gordon's dying words are, I'm going to pretend that I'm dead. So just tell my wife that I'm dead. Just pretend I'm dead, okay? And then yeah, gross, for, you know. They really had to tell the wife and everything. I felt like that was a little bit excessive. I feel yeah they could have and then he's like i couldn't risk your safety and it's like this woman almost drank herself to death well you like thought you were dead like fucking asshole i feel like that's the one person he could have told hey i'm not dead like yeah like said something i it's a it's it's really weird because then there's moments where i'm like who knows that gordon's alive because like (laughs) like does Batman Batman plays chicken with the guy that's driving the SWAT truck? Uh, and then the guy that's driving the SWAT truck takes the the left and crash and and the, the, the tumbler crashes into the garbage truck that's behind him or whatever. And it's like if Batman doesn't know that Gordon is alive in that scene, then he thinks he's playing chicken with just it seems like it's coordinated, right? Like Gordon's the one driving the truck that Harvey's in because we have Nikki cat who is also in 1997's Batman and Robin fun fact, the uh, passenger in the front of the SWAT truck. Uh, we have him talking saying all the dumb shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's 1997. He's uh spike in Batman and Robin, the motorcycle uh, racer. Oh, wow. That guy. Yeah um so anyways so we have him focusing on this cop and saying like oh man i hope you got some moves you know and all this shit and uh that's gordon we find that out at the end of the scene that's gordon so batman and gordon are working together in that scene so that means that batman at some point knows that gordon's alive but like we never know when that happens because he like like all right 
I, 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 there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make sense to me, and I'm just trying to work it out, and I'm trying to put all the cards on the table. So not Harvey Bullock. Must know that Gordon's alive. Has to, right? Because yeah. he's the one that checks the vitals. He and immediately he's the... would have been like, oh, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, get over here, right? And he, it almost Please seems like assistance. in order for him not to call for medical assistance, he would have had to have known that Gordon was like, hey, just to let you know, if I happen to get shot, I'm going to pretend I'm dead. He doesn't, like, Gordon doesn't know he's going to get shot. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So Gordon just would have said offhand to not Harvey Bullock, hey, if I get shot today, just pretend I'm dead. Right? Jesus Christ, yeah. So not Harvey Bullock wouldn't call the paramedics and everybody, like, that's weird. Now, not Harvey Bullock is on the roof of the GCPD and he has the light going and he's like, turn it on. He's like, turn it off. Don't. He doesn't want to talk to us. God help whoever he does want to talk to. And that was he, one of my favorite lines. <laughs> it's like he he thinks. All right, so that would mean that he thinks that Batman thinks that Gordon's dead, right? Or unless he was just covering with the other police officers, He's so just they didn't think that he knew that Batman knew that Jim Gordon was faking his own death. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now Batman, they show him and he's fighting people and it's like, yeah, he's fighting them pretty intense. Batman's a pretty intense fighter, but it definitely seems like it's kicked up a notch, right? And yeah. it seems like it's kicked up a notch when he just drops Sal Maroney six stories off of a building and breaks his fucking legs. It seems like it's a, a step further. Like Batman actually is upset. Batman yeah. actually thinks that his friend is dead. Um, and then he goes to talk to Harvey and he catches the, the coin and he, his name is taught. His name is polka dot, man. He's a paranoid schizophrenic, you know? And, uh, you then you get anything out of him. Yeah. And then, uh, He's like, I'm going to turn, like Harvey's like, Batman's like, I'm going to turn myself in tomorrow. This ends, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And then Harvey's like, no, you can't give in. You can't give in. And then the next day they show the press conference and Bruce is about to turn himself in. And then Harvey says, no, I am the Batman. And he hands himself over into custody. But, okay. Okay. So... So Bruce seems surprised that Harvey did this at that point. Um, and Harvey, at the end of the chase scene, doesn't know that Gordon's alive. He's like, Gordon, he's like, you do play your cards pretty close to the vest. So Harvey and Gordon have not cleared things up at this point. Harvey and Gordon are not aware, like Harvey's not aware of Gordon's status until after the chase. Okay. Bruce... You have to think that Harvey <laughs> Harvey turns himself in and then they put him in a holding cell and then they're going to transfer him to county, right? And then Gordon is the one driving him. And by the time Batman shows up on the scene, Gordon and Batman are already working together to catch the Joker, right? So they, they would have had about four hours, maybe, like at most between when Harvey turns himself in and when he's transferred to, to County for Gordon to be able to get in contact with Batman, who is no longer, no longer responding to the bat signal. Okay. 
and explain like, hey, just to let you know I'm alive and I'm going to drive this fucking dude to county. All right. So we should work together. You know, like none of that, like that whole sequence of events feels so fucking sloppy. So, yeah, it's such a stretch. It's it's really hard to imagine like a like even if you were to see even if they like it like just trying to plot out how all of that fits together is really fucking hard like it's yeah. super difficult to like suspend my disbelief on that so while chris nolan is saying that it's you know he, I think he had a comment at one point about the penguin being in the third movie. And he's like, there are some characters that just don't work in this realistic world. And I'm like, your plot doesn't work in a realistic world, man. Like what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Who gives a shit about a fat guy with an umbrella? You know, like the actual plot of the dark Knight has these moments that like has that moment that just completely falls apart and drifts into complete illogic in an effort to surprise the audience and it's fine to try to surprise the audience, but do it in a, like everything would be happening so fast that none of us would notice if you were like, if you were tricking us, no one would see it. So yeah. just make it so that when we figure out that Gordon's alive, we can go back and be like, Oh, so that person knew that this and that did it. It seems like nobody knows that Gordon's alive. No one knows. That Gordon's alive until he shows back up, and it just makes zero sense. It's just a deep ruse between Batman and Gordon for uh, you know Gordon to torture his wife and for Batman to uh, mutilate some mobsters and That's right. feel justified. <laughs> That's right. We it's all like... know what Gordon cares more about now. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. It really seems to me, though... He just needed a couple days away from his kids. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you see how they, like, whine at the end of the movie? I would have needed... I mean, oh they're lucky God. that it was just... I don't even oh, can't what? <laughs> I would have needed way more time than that. Like, they're lucky. <laughs> um, he was, like, freaking out, like, fucking... Harvey's got the gun to the kid's head, and his wife's like, "Oh my God, Jim, do something!" But like, can you shut the fuck up for one minute? <laughs> We're trying to figure things out here. You are not fucking helping, Barbara. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't care at all about my Barbara son. Barbara Junior, be quiet. That's he should have been like, I don't care at all about my son. I love my wife. My life. My my wife is my life. The apple of my eye. I couldn't live without her, Harvey. I love her, her so much. <laughs> Harvey's <laughs> like, wait, are you serious? Like, all right, well, I guess I'll shoot your wife. Please, no, whatever please. you do, don't, don't shoot my wife, please. You can please. kill both of my kids, but just Oy, don't... my beautiful wife. You know. Uh. <laughs> it seems a obvious. much different ending. A oh, what a great. <laughs> <laughs> then they introduce Sarah Essen in the, uh, and you don't have Gordon be a cheater. You just have Gordon be like, my wife was killed by a villain and everything. <laughs> and Sarah Essen's like, oh, poor baby. He killed yeah. both my kids too. And it's like him shooting both his kids. <laughs> I tried to shoot Harvey, but the bullet ricocheted off a shovel. And went oh, no. <laughs> terrible. They were resisting arrest, and you know, I just. I just I thought it was a taser. I'm just, I thought it I was just... my taser. 
God damn it. You know, without an off topic, that's going to seem like a very. That's a. <laughs> It's a very oh, don't, get it. don't get it. It's just, it's just a dark <laughs> joke. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it is a just really messy, and I feel like somebody had to have known that Gordon was alive that entire time for the conspiracy to work. Because how do you like if somebody gets shot like that, paramedics would rush in. And they yeah. would be like, oh, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. He's fine. And then they would probably tell people. that, And news outlets would be like, you know, Gordon was shot, but he's alive and well. And it would be like Mike Engel, the news reporter, in is on the scene. Like, he is right there. So, I don't know. I don't know. It falls apart under scrutiny. And every time I watch it, I feel really not great about it <sighs> but hey the scarecrow was in the beginning of it that sure. was cool let's cycle back to you said that guy harvey was interrogating was a polka dot man yeah is yeah. that the same guy that plays polka dot man in the suicide squad movie that's why i called him polka dot man he's actually <laughs> oh. in the dark knight he's thomas schiff which is just okay. some random i was like furniture. i was like dude what did they really do that and i just didn't notice that'd be insane <laughs> that guy is on so many different he's in so many different comic book movies he's, in he's Marvel almost and dc yeah same with lao um wow is in happy yeah happy hogan no happy the uh chris uh chris what's his name show from law and order Oh man, the you are guy. He's like the main dude from uh SVU. Oh Maloney, yeah. Maloney. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Man of Steel. He was in. Um oh yeah, he, and I already know which guy yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, Chris Maloney's yeah. great. He played like KG Beast, <clears throat> that guy, right? No. The guy with like the fucking mullet. Yeah, that was... guy is, but Chris Maloney's a different guy. Yeah, we're getting we're going down a, a, a rabbit hole here. I had I had something though. So, you know, yeah. So this guy, uh, David Desmalchian, I think. Yeah. It's either that name or that name I just gave is the name of the guy from System of a Down. The I. No, no, that that that's the name of the guy who's in um Batman movie. Yeah, that, that's okay. Him. So that's he was in Ant Man. Uh, and he's also in the Suicide Squad, so he's all over the place. And then the guy that plays Lau is Lau in the Dark Knight, and also a senator type figure in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, um, as well as appearing on a couple of comic book based TV shows. So they're big fans. Let's look at uh, this David guy. I'm pretty sure he was in the CW Arrow show too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought the Scarecrow tie-in was good. It was fun seeing him. I like that he becomes sort of a like a running gag in the Nolan movies after his taser face in the in the first movie. Like he gets taser face. He I gets mean, tased up in I'm the first. But he's like in his in the mask in this movie. Like the fact that he shows up in the third movie not wearing a mask is just a travesty of 
the highest highest order and like yeah you know I mean, what's a scarecrow without a mask you know not my scarecrow i mean she tightens he, he didn't wear the mask like at all <sighs> yeah i i don't know i couldn't get into titans i tried so I mean, once you get past season one, it gets a lot easier. Yeah, <laughs> you just have to get through that first thirteen hours. You really, you really just gotta take season one a fucking spoonful. It's, it's not great. Yeah. I, watched, I watched the last episode because Batman was in it, and he kills all of his villains. And I was like, Oh my right. god, that episode was yeah, no, no. <laughs> just no, skip season one. Just to skip the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like that you have something like titans going and like i don't know just seeing dick grayson be like fuck batman like hits my ear so wrong i understand it's that they don't necessarily like each other at a certain point but they still respect each other is how i always feel um so it just it hit my ear really wrong and i was like fuck batman no 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 fuck you and then i refused to watch it and then people are like no it's really good you should try it out and then i got to the fuck batman scene and i was like out again sorry like watch young justice if you're looking for like decent teen titans content that's what's crazy to me is that you can justice. have young justice yeah, going and young justice is super fucking good and then you have something like titans and you're like wow this is hot garbage and it's this weird kind of like how why are the animation teams so much better at this than the people oh, doing live God. action? Well, they they have writers' rooms probably. You know, True. they have to do stuff, you know, they probably take more time with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. DC's gotta take whoever is in charge of the DCEU. Yeah. Throw them out the fucking window. Who's ever in charge of the DC animated universe, you've been promoted. You are now part <laughs> of live action. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, it's not it's really not a bad idea, you know, or even like some of the, <laughs> like even the older shows, like obviously BTAS is like the big landmark, but like the fact that, that Bruce Tim stuff, man, Bruce Tim and Paul Dini stuff. and like, just have them be more involved. And if you had those guys more involved in sculpting the DC movies, you would not be in the problem that you're having. Like you would not oh. be in that spot. They know how to do it. <clears throat> yeah, and like the proof is in Justice League, Justice mm -hmm. League Unlimited, like all that shit. Like you guys, like you want to know how to tell a decent superhero story, like compellingly. Look no further than these beautiful 20-minute segments that are like standalone and iconic Dude. and are still superhero adventure shit, but like also compelling like character dramas and like like it's shit, sure, but you guys are they're, they're dealing with billions of dollars at this point and are just pissing money away and are just probably asking themselves why. And it's like Dude, the most dramatic and like <clears throat> look I know we haven't gotten far with Aquaman on film okay but I just like I don't know there's hard hitting shit in like the Justice League show even though it's wider than BTAS there's still hard hitting shit and like when <clears throat> Ocean Master 
kidnaps Aquaman's baby and like has Aquaman's baby on like a lower level of this tectonic plate that's sliding into lava and fucking he has Aquaman chained above him right so it's basically like you're gonna watch your baby get melted in lava and then you're going into I'm taking over Atlantis fuck you and it's like whoa this is intense and Aquaman can't get free and you're like how is like what's going to happen and he winds up I think it was did he use his telepathic ability to bring in like barracudas or some shit or is that in the comic yeah I think there was like a spear or something nearby like a dagger or something and he just like he chops his own hand off to like save his baby and that's how Aquaman gets like a harpoon like hook hand and i i'm like dude that is so good and like legitimizes aquaman makes aquaman super heroic and gives him like a gives his villain some type of i mean every time you see aquaman's harpoon hand you're gonna remember ocean master you know like every time you see it it's like wow like that's a battle scar you know and it's like I don't know. I don't get the feeling that they're moving towards, like, I think Jason Momoa with a harpoon hand would be fucking awesome. I don't think they'll ever get there, you know? I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, but it, I don't know. Kind of off. We're way off track from The Dark Knight, but I don't care. We took a little side journey. We didn't have an off topic this week, for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, Yo, Ron, how do you feel about Amber Heard in the Aquaman movies? I think... I think she's fine. Oh, you sorry motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to get it on the record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> look, I I uh I don't uh she's kind of like a Brie Larson in my mind, where <sighs> I think there's a difference between a strong woman and a woman that's like trying to seem strong. Does that make sense? That's kind of my my general opinion of Amber Heard and Brie Larson as people. They're very showy about how strong they are. And then I see people like Scarlett Johansson you know, in a similar position. And I don't feel like I've ever seen Scarlett make a gigantic show out of like being a feminist, despite the fact I feel like she probably most definitely is. And that makes me think of her as stronger because she doesn't have to politicize everything about herself to try to make a point. Uh, and sometimes watching Amber Heard and Brie Larson like act it's hard to it's hard to like forget that stuff while I'm watching them act. I just see them being kind of I don't know. I've seen too many interviews with them where they seem almost catty or something. I'm just sort of like, okay, like calm down. I feel like you dragged me into the weeds. You did this on purpose <laughs> and you're out of the show. So you like dragged me into deep water and you just let me sink. And you didn't give me anything back. You just sat there in silence while I hung myself out to dry. 
It's uh You guys are bastards. You know what? It's like sons it's like, of uh, bitches. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, and, okay. Tie him back to the Dark Knight, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. yeah, perfect. So you're just gonna let me sit with I'm just gonna that's all stuff that I said and nobody said anything <laughs> that's all I in need regards to, know, to it. Awesome. That's Great, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I wrote if it you down. edited the podcast, you could cut this stuff out. But... Don't threaten me. All right. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, no, no I so mean the Aquaman movie number two is it's it's gonna fucking it's gonna tank, whether it's a good movie or not, because everyone's like, Oh, I'm not watching it because Amber Heard's in it. The whole Johnny Depp thing. Aqua so, tank. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a whole thing. Yeah, I the Johnny Depp thing, I don't know how to feel about all of that because at first I was thinking, see, he's doing it again. He's just gonna give me the floor and he's just gonna let me fuck you. Okay. Cut Go his fuck finger yourself. off, Ron. She cut his fucking finger off. Did she? What? Yes. Is that true? She Johnny Depp the, still Johnny has Depp's his finger. finger off. It's true. No but way. She still had his finger. Hang on. He said it in court, and then people went back to pictures of him back in like whenever this supposedly happened, and you could see the his fingertip is cut off. <laughs> Johnny Depp accuses Amber Heard of severing fingertip. Yeah, dude. Uh, severing the heard. tip of his finger as his libel claim against the Sun newspaper continues. Uh threw a vodka bottle at him which cut the top of his finger and crushed the bones she also pooped in his bed <clears throat> that's canon Whew. uh Ow. amber turd what <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> um well i mean here's the thing is like did he deserve to have his finger crushed and cut off that's the question. Well, here's an the thing. important you know, thing. He was, he was in the middle of all this uh, <coughs> deal with Disney. He's been doing the Pirates of the Caribbean. What are they, fucking five, six movies in? I don't know. Who cares? But he <laughs> lost his job because of all that controversy just because she was accusing him of abusing her when that wasn't even the case. It was actually her who was abusing him, and she just kind of tried to flip the tables on him. And they did all these police investigations and actually found it in Johnny Depp's favor. But right. he never got his job back with Pirates right. of the Caribbean because they, they don't want to touch that with a 10-foot stick anymore. Right. So what you're saying, if I'm being clear, is don't believe women. Is that what, yeah. that's what you're saying? Okay, cool. So yeah, Maggie Hall, Ryan, uh, she's great in The Dark Knight. I really, I, re I do really like her performance in this, especially with... Uh, from, uh, <laughs> I mean... Not to just leave our our new my new friend, No, you don't have uh, to you don't have to no 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 don't do that. Clearly dragging under the bus there, but No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. Those are his words. He said, Don't believe women. I'm just saying this for him. Yeah. You know? I just look, he was long-winded about it, and I just made it a little bit more concise. But the I think even he would agree that the core of his thought was don't believe women. Exactly. There, yeah, see, there we go. <laughs> see? It's not a bit. That's what he said. Okay? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Maggie Gyllenhaal is a definite upgrade from Katie Holmes. Yes. Uh, he stuck out like a sore thumb in Batman Begins. She's the weakest link in that entire movie, and I couldn't... I was so thrilled when they brought in Maggie. I was, like, overjoyed. Um, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was pretty psyched that they kind of took her out, too. Uh, just because... <sighs> You know, love interests are fine and all, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, something that doesn't have to be in like every Batman thing or something. It feels like they're trying to, like, I think if you give Batman a love interest, he immediately becomes a little bit less weird. Um <laughs> And I think yeah. there's something special about being like, no, nah, this guy, like, he doesn't date ladies. He doesn't have any time for ladies. He's just all about maiming uh, po poverty-stricken individuals and the mentally handicapped. <laughs> you know, that's life, his whole life. <laughs> Justice. <Yeah. laughs> like, I'm a police officer. I made vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think like when you give him somebody that is that level and especially somebody that ties to his childhood, it's like works fine in Batman Begins as the origin tale. But then also I was like happy to see Rachel in this movie. Um, but I think you're right. I think getting rid of her and kind of like severing that that tie a little bit for a considerable amount of time in the logic of the movies is good. But outside the logic of the movies, it's immediately like, well, now there's Miranda Tate and Catwoman. Thank God Rachel's dead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. A little weird. Um, but no, I mean, Maggie, I, I've always really thought she was, she was great. You know? She's a good actress. Uh I'll bring this up after the recording, but uh, yeah, she did a great job. No, but now I'm really intrigued about what that. It's it's the thing that that Eric uh, said. Oh no! Retreat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was something that that I was uh, reminded of upon this viewing i was just like oh god moving on uh what's uh what else what what else is there to talk about here what, like what's you know, Heath Ledger did a great job um yeah. yeah you know a great great job uh it's super tragic uh like that he didn't get to see kind of like the fruits of his labor like he dies in january i think or february of 2008 like basically six months before the film comes out <clears throat> and it's like it's funny i wasn't like a heath ledger person but i already knew that this guy had brought something special to the joker i already knew that i had to like I already felt very thankful 
for what he had done, despite the fact that I wasn't that familiar with any of his other work. And when he died, I remember feeling really bad. I felt horrible. Um, it just seems so unnecessary. He was 28. I don't know why I said it like that. I've been talking a while. Um, unnecessary. Uh, I don't know what that was. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, like he was 28 when he died. It's fucking crazy. I mean, uh, you know, Booker man got his claimed his first real world victim. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that was like the, that was a lot of the talk about uh, Heath's death was that it was related to the Joker character. And I think it was, I don't think it's as clear as that. Some people are like, oh, he had a drug overdose. And I don't think it's as clear as that. Uh, the doctors said that he had pneumonia when he died. And I think that that was a contributing factor. I honestly think every time he laid down to sleep, the water in his lungs would be shifting and then he'd wind up coughing. And then he was like, oh, I just need more sleeping pills. And after like so much sleep deprivation, he was finally like, I just need to fucking sleep. And he took too much. And, you know, I don't think he knew he had pneumonia. He was filming the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus in London underneath uh, those like sprinklers that they use to create rain. Um, and I think the cold and the wet and the hours of filming just sort of tipped him towards that. And then also him talking about having trouble sleeping in the aftermath of playing the Joker. He said he only slept like two hours a night while they were filming because he couldn't actually come down from the character. Like he would find his mind racing. Um, yeah, I heard he was a method actor. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's really like that. It kind of creeped me out because Paul Dano was just talking about that too, and I'm like, Paul, like, get help fast, you know? Don't let it spiral out, because he was talking about basically like the Riddler is underneath that. He has like the U.S. military surplus extreme cold weather mask that he wears, and then underneath that appears to be a plastic bag he said it's actually saram wrap and that his head is actually saram wrapped underneath this extreme cold weather mask so he said that it's like filling up with sweat and the cold weather mask is supposed to keep heat in and he's in a hoodie and a jacket and he's wearing gloves and he just <laughs> said that he was like overheating and he'd be working for 12 hours in this getup and he would go home and he'd lay in bed and it was like his head throbbing, you know, and just not being able to like come down from it. That's and yeah, I mean, like there's a, it's a tough gig, I think to play some of these types of characters. Like I think playing Batman, the suit might be uncomfortable, but I don't think that coming down from playing a good guy is as difficult as coming down from playing a psychopath, you know? And I think that there's something to be said about 
maybe offering some type of counseling or something too. And I know that that sounds like a little bit crazy, but also I think coming out of playing these characters, like super thankful for the performances. And I think that they're great, but also I, there is a, a health risk. I mean, even just me writing, like I've talked with Alves about this, but like just writing some of the things that I write, I have to go to like really dark places and it's not fun to try to get out of it and it's not fun to <clears throat> it's not fun to have that kind of like stain or something it's like a stain that comes along with trying to empathize and understand uh like truly horrible people and uh i i think that maybe it should be more considered just because you do have so many actors that you know are taking their job seriously and actually like changing the way that their minds think so that they can be more authentic and it's like well you're changing your mind to be you know essentially a serial killer or a mass murderer and it's like that's not great yeah that's not really what you want <clears throat> yeah i mean i'm I mean, if Kayla was here, she would tell you about her stance on method acting, where it's essentially like, don't method act like it's dumb. Like, why would you bother? Like, just pretend that's what acting is, you know? Um, and I kind of, I, I agree and disagree with it, you know, like, God damn it, Alves. Just, I just thought of the thing again, and it just threw me way off track. That, I, can't, I can't believe I forgot about that. <laughs> i'm really but, sorry for the people listening that are not going to know what we're talking about but it's not for uh i don't think it's for public consumption i think you're right to use discretion <laughs> um, turn, Eric, but yeah. yeah you know i mean it seems extreme especially with like i mean i guess with the, the, i don't know what this new take on the riddler is outside of him being like a, a serial murderer like mm -hmm. zodiac killer or whatever yeah um that seems a little extreme to me but uh yeah i don't know it seems you know a little, a little silly like I, I can understand the discomfort for saran wrapping your head for mm. 12 hours a day uh, yeah. but i'd just be like dog i'm like you should wrap wrap me a little looser so i can breathe it's a movie like i don't actually have to conceal dna or whatever and it's like i get it you're trying to be authentic but yeah it's like or just like i mean i don't know if they i would just get a roll of saran wrap and then like before every take like you know re-saran wrap the head and then after <laughs> take it off you know like <clears throat> that long, you know yeah i mean it's a it's a lot but for the Riddler. I mean, come on. That's the I thing. I have that's... two coins in my pocket that equal thirty cents, and one is not a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like in his head, just like. <laughs> what is the solution to that one? Good. Why do I always forget that one? <laughs> it's a really simple solution, is it not? <laughs> the hell is it oh i i have no idea i can't remember where i where i saw that but i saw it recently 
<laughs> he's like running through like that and the like Batman Forever riddles, just like, <laughs> like I, I gotta master this character. Yeah. To sleep for weeks. Well, that's the thing is like when you look back uh, on the uh... oh, it's it's a nickel and a quarter is the answer. One of them isn't a nickel. But the other one is. Right. Yeah. That's the... <laughs> That's silly. Yeah. God damn. I always forget that one. It's super easy. <laughs> I'm not good at riddles, and I'm not good at writing riddles either. It's not something that I excel at. Oh, it's... I don't... I'm not good at it, and I don't... I don't like riddles. And a lot of times, I'll come up with an answer that works, and then they're like, nope, it's this. And I'm like, well, it's also the other thing that I said... It's the exact like what the fuck if like i was facing the riddler uh if i was a regular person i would die and if i was batman i would pummel him into into sponge cake that's where he would wind up <laughs> be so mad like stop asking me annoying questions you dick you know also what, what do you guys think about the riddler appearance in this movie in the dark night guys love it what yeah what <laughs> it's a lot of people a lot of people and this is the problem where no one doesn't want to embrace the comics and because he doesn't want to embrace the comics he uses like very specific characters and then if he has a character like they have anna ramirez it's like there's a very well-known hispanic police officer on the force renee montoya and i know it would mean you would have to make her dirty but you could have used her or the not Harvey Bullock guy could have been Harvey Bullock. It's all these kind of things where it's like, you know, do a little bit of fan service. It's okay. It doesn't delegitimize your movie, you know, but a lot of people think that Coleman Reese, the guy that brings the blueprints to Lucius Fox and discovers that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne um, is Nolan's version of the Riddler, Mister Reese, Mister. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that that kind of that lines up. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't believe it. Um, I don't believe it was intended to be. I, if it is intended to be, it's because of David Goyer. Like it's David Goyer sneaking something into the script without Nolan realizing it because that's David Goyer is the guy that knows Batman, loves Batman. And actually in the first movie, Nolan was like, does the scarecrow really have to wear a mask? And David Goyer was like, Hey dickhead, why would they call him the scarecrow if he's not wearing a mask? Yeah. You know what I mean? Where did that, where would that come from? Um, And that's something that it's always uh, kind of a, contentious thing that I have with Nolan Nolan's movies is just I Nolan's Batman movies is just I kind of wish he would lean a little bit more into the comics you know yeah. um, he did it a little bit in Batman Begins like Victor Zaz it's like they would really have this cameo scars appearance yeah, yeah and they take the time to have scars prosthetics put on them so that he looks like the character from the comics. It's like, that's really cool. But I just wish that that stuff would continue on. You know, I, uh, it's, 
there's just such a huge population of characters that exist in that world and it seems to like to not capitalize on them is a little bit upsetting you know even the invention of rachel dawes and i understand they wanted to tie her to his origins like his childhood and stuff but there were so many women that like exist in the batman universe that aren't vicky vale you know that vicky vale catwoman it's like you know i mean he eventually gets to talia al ghul which is you know another lady that exists but it's like even without even not costumes it's like there's still i think silver saint cloud yeah Uh, you don't have to go out of your way to make a whole new character when we already have like an infinite roster of them that's what it feels like like you know john blake in the dark knight rises is robin and it's like yeah there's already like 92 fucking robins pick one asshole like what the fuck is wrong with you you know but anyways like i think the dark knight one of the things that i that sticks out to me the most is that it just feels like it's a movie about something you know and that it feels almost like a it's talking about post 9-11. It's talking about the Patriot Act. It's talking about what you would... It, to me, it feels like it's about the promise of America. And I know that that's really strange. But let me like break this down. So basically, like, <clears throat> I think of the Joker as the threat of like an extremist terrorist group or something right and batman's one rule you know that i won't kill you know i won't become part of this problem or whatever and it feels like the joker is applying pressure to that uh in an effort to cause him to break the rule and become something other than what he has originally stated and sometimes i view it almost as we in our most ideal version the most ideal version of america we're supposed to be open to allow people to come here and that's kind of like the rule you know that feels like analogous to the rule that we're supposed to accept you know people we're supposed to bring people in and we're supposed to provide them a safe place to be and in the wake of something like 9-11 there was so much nationalist kind of rhetoric and the idea of like hard closing borders and the idea of you know not living up to that ideal to like it felt like it was put under pressure by the threat of extremism. And sometimes when I watch the dark Knight, that's kind of what I feel like the movie is sort of, maybe that's, it might just be the way that I'm viewing it, but it feels almost like it's, it's asking a question of, will you betray a core value uh, to avoid um violence or disaster or potentially to secure safety you know would you give up the thing that makes you you 
Um, so the Dark Knight for me kind of plays on a lot of political ideas and I think is a stronger movie for it. Um, feels like it's genuinely a comic book movie that isn't really about just its characters. It, it feels like it has a point, you know. But I don't know. Am I crazy? I might be crazy. I think I'm viewing uh, it. I see where you're getting at. <clears throat> yeah. It's. Yeah, I think it's legit. Yeah. It's definitely uh, at least trying to be something more than just its characters, you know? Yeah. I and mean, I think these movies are really fascinating to watch because <clears throat> it has a lot of political resonance in a post 9-11 world. I mean, <clears throat> the League of Shadows being a essentially a terrorist organization that represents like the threat of a, a foreign attack and the attack at the end of Batman begins being maybe something similar to a 9-11, smaller in scale, but that in terms of Gotham City, that would stand as like that's kind of a 9-11 event and then this one feels like homegrown domestic terror you know and then the third one is like hey what if they combine forces what if it's both what if it's like a foreign entity that also uses the public to dismantle the society i don't know and so it's it's interesting watching these through the lens of like the zeitgeist of you know post 2001 you know, yeah. But, yeah. Whenever I get to these landmark stories, like these landmark movies, I always feel like I never have. It's almost like too big to break it down. You know, sometimes it's hard to like feel like you hit every point that's worth hitting. So I never feel like I'm totally satisfied. I'm always like, oh man, I wish. There's just a little bit more or that I had a little bit more to say, but I, I feel like most of the cogent points have been discussed. Like most of the most important details have been kind of dealt with, in my opinion. Yeah. You know. Um you guys have any other thoughts about the Dark Knight? Not particularly. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. R.I.P. Fledger. R.I.P. Uh, I think it was a cameraman also. Cameraman died on the uh, filming of the chase scene. Uh, which is pretty crazy. I don't know. What a movie though. And like such a different for the time such a different comic book movie and such a different tact uh in terms of the approach to it one of the first movies i can really recall having a very robust viral marketing campaign that's fucking legendary the amount of stuff that they put out there they had people 
uh, getting letters from the Joker to go pick up cakes at bakeries. And then they would get the cake and the cake would be ringing and they'd have to rip open the cake and there'd be a phone in a plastic bag. And the phone in the plastic bag would direct them to like they'd get a call and it would direct them to a website and they'd have coordinates that they had to punch into the website. And it's like just all this shit to get people all riled up. And it was really amazing to watch for like the year and a half leading into the movie. And then you can actually find uh, Gotham Tonight, the Mike Engel show is there's like six episodes of it that are available to watch online. One of them is an interview with Mayor Garcia. One of them is an interview with Harvey Dent. There's a couple that are about the ongoing threat of fear toxin in local communities. It's like unbelievable the amount of work that they put in just to like hype this movie up, you know? And when you go to see The Dark Knight, like when I went to see The Dark Knight, it felt like I kind of like seen like six months or so of the community leading up to the movie it was really cool and i don't feel like they uh i don't feel like anything's really captured that spirit sense and i always thought it was just such a cool idea to market a movie that way with like an alternate reality game you know um it's just it's just such a big story yeah, still still early internet too right 2008 yeah 2008 <laughs> Yeah. yeah 2008 yeah it's like early social media shit you know yeah yeah i mean it's just uh i don't know they really were like firing on all cylinders for the lead up to this movie and i think that everything about it is great and i think we're spoiled a little bit you know I think like the fact that we can be so nitpicky about like, oh, well, it's so bland and like plain looking and everything. And I think like when it came out, it completely revolutionized comic book movies. It changed the what you could expect from them. And to me, you know, I think in the in the wake of the dark Knight and seeing other movies that have kind of carried the baton in some ways, like captain America, the winter soldier, Logan, um, uh, Joss Whedon's justice league, these like heavy hitter, great films. Uh, just kidding. I'm kidding about the Joss Whedon. Um, but no, I mean, it's, uh, it is a landmark, you know, and it it's still very good performances are still amazing it has a super engaging plot that doesn't really let up it's two and a half hours of film that flies by you know um and it started a trope that like it didn't start the trope but it seemed like 1991 was silence of the lambs where the bad guy gets caught and then escapes but the dark knight was the one where it's like he get like the joker gets caught on purpose to get closer to lao and then escapes and i think like in the fallout of that there were so many different plots where like the one i remember really well was skyfall when javier bardem gets caught and brought to the like prison underneath 
the facility where all the secret agents are. And uh, he does it so that he can get closer to M to try to kill her. And it's like, it just, it seemed like after the Dark Knight, there was this uptick in villains that were like, oh yeah, like I wanted to be here. Like this was, this is all part of my plan and everything. And it was super annoying actually. <laughs> it was after like, it's done well once. You kind of don't want to see it again. You kind of want somebody to come up with their own thoughts and ideas. But I got yeah. one. I, I, I mean, I'm sure Chris Nolan took it from somewhere, you know? Probably. I mean, every there, every story's been told already. So certainly, but it just it felt like more it felt like more and more like the obvious go-to thing in the couple of years immediately after the dark Knight, where it was just like every villain is going to do this now yeah i mean it made a billion dollars star trek into darkness khan has that same thing and i don't know it's just like it's it became very tropey dude bane does it (laughs) bane gets caught in the beginning of the dark Knight rises (laughs) you know totally on purpose so that he can get closer to pavel like okay we get it (laughs) you know um i have a question for you guys before we go because i know uh we're pretty much at the end of this i feel like it's we're getting rambly but what do you guys think about i know but um what do you guys think about the joker's claim that he he's not a schemer Yeah, it's kind of a load of shit. Right? It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's all part of the plan. But I, you know, like they're they're schemers. Mm-hmm. I'm a it's planner. Like a, it's like a con man trying to convince you that he's just making an honest living. Yeah. That's actually a really <laughs> yeah. good way to put it. <laughs> I, It's funny because I want to believe that he's like a plate spinner. Where he's just like, oh, I have all of this stuff in play. And at any point, I could decide to use it. But I, I don't know. I don't know why I put a bomb in that guy's stomach. I have no clue. But if I ever get into a situation and I need a bomb, I'll know to call Charlie. You know, like that. I want to believe that that's the case. But some of it just seems like military operation level fucking execution you know it's hard to imagine him flying by the seat of his pants it's also hard to imagine in a scene where he's gonna come out of the interrogation room holding a shard of glass to that to not harvey bullock's neck i i thought that was fine but it requires batman to break the glass so that he can steal that piece i thought it would have been way better to have him come out of that room with his shoe off because we know that the shoe has that that blade that pops out of the toe of it. If he came out holding a shoe to that dude's neck, I would have been like, fuck yeah. Like, that's so funny. Super yeah. good. You know? I wanted it really bad. But... Uh, and Chris Nolan's not funny enough for that. No. I mean, he's funny enough to put the potato peeler. I did like that. When they're like taking all of the knives and laying them out, <laughs> yeah. and there's like a potato peeler and you see the person that's putting it down be like, what the fuck why is this here um but yeah no i i i kind of 
I don't know. There is a military like precision to the Joker's stuff. And that also has led to people thinking that he might have been former military in this iteration. Um, I don't know. He does bring up soldiers, um, a truckload of soldiers getting blown up. His shifting stories about his scars is probably in one of the more iconic things that yeah. I really enjoy about it. Someone was also pointing out when Batman was interrogating him, first thing he did was slam his head down. He was like, you never start with the head because their vision, their memory gets blurry. And that just sounds like somebody who's been through this before. Yeah. Yeah. I he's they did such a good job of creating just a mysterious kind of aura around Heath Ledger's Joker. They did the right thing. It was my major complaint with Nicholson's Joker is you understand who he is from start to finish. And I kind of wanted more um, uncertainty, you know, and this movie provides it in spades. There's so much confusion about exactly who he is. And even one of the producers said that that shot of him on the street corner, he's he wants to he sometimes imagines that up until that point, the Joker just doesn't exist. It's like until he shows up on the street corner, it's like there is no Joker. And then he's just here like a demon made flesh. And there's something about that that's like, ooh, I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a villain for the ages. You know, it's great. But anyways, I think I'm done. I'm tired. Yeah, um, the Dark Knight, awesome movie. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it. You know, if this is the first <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend. Yes. You listen to an entire podcast of a movie that you have not seen. <laughs> <laughs> and we've spoiled all the major plot points and you should yeah. go watch it um so yeah anyways thank you guys for listening if you made it this far sorry about the lack of off topic we lost some really good material we talked about a lot of things um <laughs> yeah. it's a shame it's a shame but uh anyways we'll see you all next week have a good night You hear his voice every week on WT Fada, but now you can take a little bit of him home with you. That's right. Simply go to linktr.ee slash awe.comics and you'll find links to all of Mr. Ryan Alves's magnificent work. Everything from his bubblegum maelstroms to his mustache Batmans uh, and beyond. Uh, go check it out. Go pick yourself up a couple of books. Awesome.